This episode of our podcast is brought to you by Doolaban Insurance. If you live in Ontario, Canada, and are looking for the best price and coverage for your Tesla, give Doolaban a call at 1-855-385-4226 or visit their website at doolabaninsurance.com slash Tesla. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Tesla Owners Online Podcast. I'm your host, Trevor Page, and I'm joined by my good friends, Ian and Eric. And look, at we have some awesome guests here, Zach and Jesse from the Now You Know YouTube channel. Hey, guys, how you been? Hey, good. Good. How you doing? Excellent. Uh, really want to say thanks for you guys for joining us. Uh, I know that uh, everybody's nerves are being frayed right now with the whole shelter-in-place things, but some of us are starting to see some relaxing going on, and restaurants are starting to open and stuff, so cautiously getting back to things. So I hope you guys have been keeping busy. I see um, you're still putting out videos, which is awesome. I, I You know what? Honestly, I don't know of, of a harder-working duo on YouTube than you guys. It's crazy. <laughs> I mean, the amount of work yeah. you guys put into stuff is awesome. And, so and you're not just out there blabbing. I mean, there's a lot of production that goes into the stuff you do with the green oh. screen and the effects. And then it's like, uh, that's a <laughs> lot of work, man. Yeah, exactly. There's no yeah, green screen, actually. No? Oh, yeah, there is. Where, where's the green screen? On like all the last things, Elon the Disruptor. Oh, that's it. He doesn't yeah, remember. Yeah. I don't remember. Look at him. Yeah. Not all of them, but yeah, a lot of them. Not all of them, but you have yeah. used it, so. Awesome. Well, I thought I'd bring you guys onto the channel because we have a topic we want to cover a little bit later in the show regarding Tesla Semi and the whole Nikola thing. Um, mm -hmm. Now, if you guys haven't watched our show, we do talk a little bit of a Tesla news. Obviously, with things being a little on the quiet front, we have you know two or three subjects we want to get through. Once we're done with that, uh, we'll just jump into the other topics. So the first thing I want to talk about is Model S now has an official EPA rating of 402 miles. What are you laughing at, Jesse? <laughs> oh, who would have thunk? Wow. Who would have thunk? <laughs> yeah. Um, so right here on the webpage, let me just bring it up. So that those of you who are watching on YouTube, of course, if we're going, if you're not watching on YouTube, you have to apologize. You'll have to check the show notes and look at a link if you want to watch the YouTube uh, channel here because we do an audio podcast of this thing here. So anyways, Tesla goes on to say that they've now uh, EPA certified the Model S at 402 miles or 647 kilometers, which makes it basically the longest range EV available anywhere. Uh, they've attributed this to several different things, a significant mass reduction on the S and the X. This is um, through uh, additional weight savings can all be achieved through standardization of in-house seat manufacturing. So anyways, the bottom line is to make a lot of changes on the car. Um, they have some new aero wheels. They're calling them Tempest. So if you haven't seen those, they got these little black inserts. Quite attractive, if you ask me. They've that also that right there is the biggest thing I think that's boosted the range on that car, I'll tell you right now. Yeah. Well, they did think on the Ravens too, they also changed uh, the motors. They're a little more efficient and they also changed the bearings. They have... Um, uh, less resistance in the bearing. So that attributes to a lot of that stuff. Anyways, the bottom line is going back here is the EPA did test the car, but apparently they did a little goof up. And uh, Elon was claiming, well, we have the log files, guys. You left the key fob in the car and the door open. <laughs> so anyways, no, I guess they retested didn't. it. Right. It was closed. Right. What, what are you talking well, about? How many, how many times have people said things about Tesla and Tesla goes, uh, guys, we have log files. Right. <laughs> Brodering. Remember right. Brodering back in the day? I so, don't remember. 
Anyways, so congratulations to Tesla on that. And uh, we've just seen the tip of the iceberg because we're going to see uh, longer ranges on the Roadster and obviously the Cybertruck. I think that's attributed to some new battery inverter technology that we're going to see later on down the road. We're still waiting on the update uh, Plaid drivetrains on Model S and X. So that's still on track sometime later this year. So we're looking forward to seeing some of that. Anyways, the other rumor that's been going around here for some time, and this was spotted by our friend Zeus, uh, who's also a friend of ours, on uh, Twitter, uh, with uh, Green the Only, he got us. Uh, he he got a Model Three in factory mode and was able to discover somehow in there that the battery is showing a hundred kilowatt hours of capacity. Now, Green the Only on Twitter, great hacker by the way. If you want to follow him, he's got some really great stuff. Had also spotted it some time ago. So this is the second instance of this. Now, not really confirmed whether this is actually true or not. Elon was very quick to get on Twitter and says. <clears throat> Uh, there is no plans for developing a 100-kilowatt-hour battery pack in the Model 3. Now, he didn't specify when it was being developed. <laughs> yeah, so the exact wording said, is key, right? He says there is yeah. no Model 3 100-kilowatt-hour back in development. Yes. Right. Make of that exact wording what you will. R remember, so, Tesla, Elon is very familiar with the Osborne effect, and if you don't know what the Osborne effect is, please go Google it. It's a real thing. Jesse, you are going to say something? Go ahead. Yeah, I mean, he could just... It, it's a 98 or it's <laughs> 101 kilowatt hour pack. Yeah, I mean, true. he's not lying if he says 100 kilowatt hours. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, it, it's definitely possible, but they don't need it at the they moment. They don't need it. Well, the last thing you want to do is potentially cannibalize some more Model S sales because you're, you're starting into some overlap territory, right? If you get a battery pack that's a third larger, 33% larger, um, and you calculate the range out, boy, you're you're getting close to a Model S. I mean, Model S is heavier, it's bulkier. Um, anyways. I feel like they've already cannibalized it. Yeah, they've they've cannibalized it a lot. And I mean, we've seen that in the sales numbers, but yeah, uh, yeah if they get, if there was a 100 kilowatt hour Model 3, um, I don't know who would be buying the Model S. I mean, people do like the Model S. Let's not, right. let's not dismiss it out of hand, but True. a lot of people, when they're looking at the numbers, they're saying like, ah, Got a lot, a lot more car uh, with the Model Three. Yeah, I mean, I to me, to me, the analysis would also look like the Model Y is not cannibalizing Model X. Like they're totally different vehicles; they're not in the same classes. Uh, Model S is a full size car. Model Three is more of a compact sedan. So it's it's hard to. Ideally, we can make the comparison because it is apples to apples within Tesla. But if the Model S was a different manufacturer's vehicle then ideally those are two totally separate conversations because Model 3 would be its own thing versus Model S. Um, but because they're in the same family, they tend to equate them because, well, they're both sedans, which is true, but they're also very different cars in their DNA. Um, so that, you know, e even if they were to have, a, like, a, a lot of this, I, I agree with what you guys are saying, the suggestions of how Elon can sort of mince words a bit. Um, I think we're delving into this a bit too much. It's entirely possible that what that photograph showed was just more of a test thing, not actually something they produced. Uh, the number could have been rounded up to 100. But for us to speculate, eh, it's fun for fodder, but I don't, I don't know how real it all is. But, um, I mean, yeah, the Model the Model 3, the numbers tell you, like the number of reservations, the number of sales, number of deliveries, all of that tells you that Model S has taken a far second place backseat to the Model 3, regardless of what the battery pack is now or then. Well, there's nothing that says that Tesla can't build a couple of mules with a 100 kilowatt hour mm -hmm. battery pack through some chemistry changes. We know battery day is coming, and there's definitely some chemistry changes as far as the battery pack is coming. So they managed to stuff it into a couple of pre-production cars. Maybe they're not releasing anything. Um, I mean, it did send out a tweet today reflecting this change and saying 
maybe after battery day. I mean, something's got to give at some point, right? I don't personally think that ba- that the battery day thing is really going to affect three and Y, especially with the Y right now going into production. You can't make a change this soon, right? Mm-hmm. This is more for the Plaid Model S, Cybertruck, obviously Roadster, all those future cars. Um, and the thing is, is is very much like they did a year ago, just over a year ago, when they introduced Hardware Three in the cars. You can't just drop uh, an autonomy day on people and say, oh, by the way, we're going to put this in the cars in six months. They were already in production at that point. So I think the same thing's kind of going to happen, at least with battery day. Now, there's been a lot of talk, of course, with this CATL that's been going on in China with uh, with the manufacturing in China going to largely cobalt-free batteries and, and uh, lithium polymer. Um, and of course, this million mile battery thing may start in China because, you know, maybe Tesla doesn't have the manufacturing cap, uh, capacity to ramp up for the North American market. Maybe they can start in a smaller market in China, at least initially, and ramp it up. Anyways, we'll see what transpires. But um, anyways, uh, I don't think these screens lie. There's a fact. I mean, they're reading something in the BMS that that's reporting this at 100 kilowatt hour. But to your point, Trev, uh, about lying, the screen lying. Did you take a close look at some of the other entries on that same screen? Like one I of them caught my eye. Yeah, I, I, a few people did in the comments. I noticed as well that mm-hmm. supercharging not allowed. Isn't mm-hmm. that a bit weird? Like, what's up with that? Now, maybe it's because it's an experimental pack and they don't want to be blowing all this amperage into it. I don't know. I, I thought that was weird. It, and the it's fact that just for the Richard Bills channel, probably. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> maybe <laughs> that could be. And the fact it was a silver car. I mean, it's got to be an early build, right? Or like, why would they take us? Would they specially paint a silver one just for the purpose of the mule? Or did they repurpose an old car, you know, as a test mule? I don't know. I just had. Some questions about that. I'm just kind of looking at it right here. I don't see anything that really pops out other than the the supercharging access. But again, I don't know. It it could just be like I said, just a, a test mule that they're 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 playing around with. And I mean, we saw this stuff. I mean, back in the day when I got spy shots of a performance model three on the track doing runabout testing, and everybody's like, "No, it's not a performance model three. I said, "Well, the red red brake calipers and the acceleration is kind of a dead giveaway. And sure enough, mm-hmm. you know, six months later, there we are. We had the car. So, anyways. It's interesting. It's fun to speculate. Who knows what's going to happen? But I don't think we're going to see any changes at this point until Battery Day happens. And of course, we still don't know when Battery Day is going to happen. Elon's been pretty mum on the whole thing. So that's why we I, came on here. We thought you knew when Battery Day was. No, man. I, you know what? I get it. Great, Trev. Great. Ten minutes and we lost them. <laughs> Look, a little speculation here. Let's have some fun with this because the next thing oh, we're going to talk about is they're, they're uh, going to rebrand your channel. Now we don't know. Because <laughs> you don't tell them. There we go. Right. There we go. Yeah, we don't know either. We don't. Yeah. Look, there's been a lot of talk, of course, about this next factory that Tesla wants to build. Our money's on Texas. Well, apparently, uh, let me just bring up the card, uh, article here, courtesy of our friends here at Tesla Roddy. Travis County, just outside of Austin, Texas. Texas officials are currently in the process of working out the details of an incentive deal with Tesla. Now, Tesla has been working with Texas as well as uh, Tulsa, Oklahoma, trying to get the best deal possible to get a factory built. And, of course, this is going to be for Model Y and Cybertruck, possibly some other cars as well. So they got to get hustling. If they want this car out in due time, they got to get moving here. So anyways, uh, the tra- uh, Travis County Commissioner Court is reportedly meeting to discuss pot- potential incentives uh, later today. That's literally today on June 16th. The statesman reported the terms of the incentives will be discussed during the meeting and a vote from the members of the commissioner's court will be held in the coming weeks. Now, it's been uh, rumored for quite some time that Tesla's been looking at building something in Austin, Texas. Elon's been flying in and out of there. 
basically he wants to move his whole operation to Texas. We've talked about that before. Anyways, that's where I think that's what's going to happen. Now, he has let the cat out of the bag in the sense of, well, battery day will happen either in Nevada or Texas. So put that in between quotes. I mean, what if they just said, by the way, here's the announcement. We're going to build the the Texas factory here and let's talk, uh, you know, first phase of battery day and kind of roll the two in together. Um, I don't think they have the resources to do two things at once, but uh, I think it'd be kind of interesting to be able to do uh, both. But anyways, bottom line, this thing has to happen soon if they're going to start building a factory because, um, sorry, the U.S. doesn't move as fast as China as far as building stuff is concerned, right? Um, Zach and Jesse, have you guys thought about this situation with, um, with Tesla in Texas in the sense that, you know, it's pretty well known that Tesla can't sell direct in Texas. And their legislature meets, what is it, every two years uh, to be able to vote on this issue. I always thought that Tesla would use this as a carrot in front of them, say, let us build a factory, but uh, a little something for me is a little something for you type of thing, right? Um, Is there any movement on that as far as, like, getting them to change their their legislatures saying, okay, we'll build a factory here, but you guys got to let us sell direct already? I mean, I think it might be kind of flipped. Elon might know that getting a factory there will mean that they will definitely have the political uh, power to get that rule changed. So it might be instead of like, do it first and then we'll come, it might be we're coming and we know that that'll be enough to push you guys over the edge because they've become a huge employer. That would be my guess. Um, it would make Texas look really stupid if they didn't. Yeah, they're saying here in the article that it uh, it could bring a, a, as many as 10,000 employees into the factory. So yeah, yeah. Good for jobs. I mean, Texas, I mean, what better place to build a Cybertruck, right? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I mean, it's... Go ahead. Well, the, the problem, too, is that Texas has in its history done a lot of stupid things. Um, so I wouldn't I wouldn't I wouldn't. My my feeling has been if I'm looking at the odds makers for this, I would say it's less than 50 50. It actually does happen in Austin um, to the extent where Texas then sort of like magically disappears their restrictions on selling cars direct. Um why they haven't done it yet as the carrot that leads Tesla to do that, that I don't understand. Having that meeting today that make that then dis- the discussion sort of weird when you would think by now, if you want to entice Tesla into your state, you would have by now already said, OK, let's just get an ordinance in. Let's just pass this. Let's just be done with it. Um, but we've seen by and large time and time again with major issues. And this is not really what I consider a major issue, but when major issues are afflicting the state of Texas, you tend to see a lot of legislators sort of sit idly by and see what their neighbor voters are doing. What What's this, you know, elected official going to do? And then they're deciding to vote. And usually it's against the best interests of the populace. So I'm I'm not very confident this works out. I'm hopeful it does. But truth be told, that just history says this is not going to work out very well. Um, and then you said, you know, Tulsa may swoop in and be the 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 backstop. But um, but who knows? But I, but I've, I've seen I've seen logic not prevail on more than one occasion in the state of Texas. Sure. But I think that once you have cyber trucks rolling off the line in Texas and those are local news stories and you have, you know, Elon on the front cover in front of a cyber truck and people kind of understand like, Oh, it's a American made bulletproof truck. Uh, I think that the support is going to, is going to just come out of the woodwork for Tesla. And it's going to be like, wait, so you're telling me I can't buy the truck in this state. Are you, kidding me right uh and i think that there's there's no lose once you've built the factory there i mean there's no lose uh, let's assume going forward that tesla that uh texas was never going to change their mind about direct sales 
it's still a boon for Tesla to have the factory in Texas if that's where they sure. want to have it. Yeah, I'm just happy that it, no matter what state gets it, the fact there's going to be a new factory built and it's going to be American flag, American state, like that needs to be, that message needs to get out. I don't know if, how right. often this has happened to you guys, but traveling around in the car and people ask questions, oh, that's one of those Teslas, where is it made? And like, well, right. yeah, especially when I'm in the States, well, here in America, what? They're right. not from Germany? Like how often right. have you got that? Like, it just amazes me that it's still not fully understood. So if nothing else, you know, like, thank God, like a place like right. Texas, I mean, that is America in, in a little snapshot there. That's, right. that's America. I mean, it's got to really yeah. resonate that message. I'm, I'm, I'm really hoping that happens. And I think that Tesla kind of has this, they had their iPhone moment. And now the problem is they still have this iPhone feel where you're just like, oh, it's, it's like an iPhone. So it's probably from China, right? And right. of course, there are news stories where there is a Tesla China factory. So it's very easy to get confused and just be like, yeah. it's an iPhone of cars. So therefore, it's made in China, just like everything else that comes from California. Um, not necessary. And even if it's built in California, you're like, if I'm in Texas, <laughs> California is a completely different country. Um, right. So it's it's being built in Texas is going to have a huge impact, I think, on, on Tesla's brand, especially in yeah. the middle of the country. Um, and especially with Cybertruck, especially with those ranges, especially with everything to do with that, it's going to be a really smart move. Yeah, we forget well, how often that we're in this bubble. Like, uh, you know, because yeah. we talk about it all the time, we think that everyone around us knows about it. I, I would guess that in America today, probably like 2% of Americans even know what the heck you're talking about. Even if they've heard of the brand, I think they would keep asking the question like, you know, where's it from? What is it? I just yeah. don't think they really know much about it. The kids do, though. The kids do. Oh, yes, they do. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Everywhere. I mean, you don't. <laughs> one of the reasons i love driving a kid has to be living literally under a rock with no internet to not <laughs> yeah. know what tesla is yeah. well it's intriguing too because i remember when i one of my first cars was a toyota camry but the car was assembled in kentucky mm-hmm. so we think of the brand as a japanese brand but the car was actually made here in the u.s so it's it's that weird thing that we know that tesla sources a lot of its parts from outside the u.s but the majority of the car like it's, it's basically built and manufactured in fremont um as a stand so i agree with you guys on the texas point i mean if they build a factory and then sort of like keep nudging the argument of like direct sales now, now, how about now? Maybe this year, maybe I I think that, okay, sure. That's, that's helpful for the economy for Texas. Um, Not that they need it. It's nice if they get it. Um, Tesla will certainly get the, wherever it is. I mean, if they could build it in Biloxi, Mississippi, they could build it in, you know, uh, Bismarck, North Dakota, like they can build it wherever, wherever they do it. If as long as it's in America, it's obviously good for, for Tesla and for the employees that live in that region. Um, you know, this certainly would be good news relative to their recent discussions of potentially just relocating Fremont altogether. That obviously would not be good. Um, but yeah, I, I, I would think, though, that they were trying to nudge Texas into lifting that law before they even break ground. If they can do that, then that's obviously a win-win for everyone. Um, that's what the hope is. Rather than to have the factory built and then two years later it's open, they're starting to produce cars. And then, you know, then the argument is, well, we've delivered 10,000 cars this year. How about now? Is now a good time? So. I just hope the factory, well, I think by all estimations, I know the Berlin factory is going to be larger than Fremont. Um, I haven't really looked at any kind of potential plans because nothing's been leaked on the internet as far as that is concerned in, in the Texas factory. But um, I mean, even the Berlin factory is going in really fast right now. I mean, they've just, uh, they've been pouring the footings for what looks like to be the, the large presses because they're, mm-hmm. you know, below grade a little bit. So, mm-hmm. um, they're certainly, um, 
some action going on over there. But again, it, Tesla's timeline for the Cybertruck is deliveries by the end of next year. So if they're going to start building, they got to get hustling because, I mean, building a shell is one thing, but the production stuff inside takes takes time and then you, mm-hmm. you you have logistics and all the other things so anyways i don't know how much the covid thing has set them back i mean we really won't know until they release uh, data but so far at this point i guess they're still holding on to the uh, late 2021 um delivery time i mean if they so. if they if they build and deliver five cars five cyber trucks technically then, then it's true well my money's right. still 2022 uh, for Cybertruck, like sure. real good deliveries of that right. car is really going to be 2022 oh, and, that, and you're definitely at least if, if they're going to deliver five cars in 2021, then yeah, you're, you're probably right. Yeah. It was like model three, right. In, 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 in July, yeah. 2017. <laughs> well, we made 30 of them. Yeah. Here you go. Oh, by the way, production's still going to take another six months guys. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's, I am a little bit worried because it is a completely different car. Like, you know, they, they really, I think hit the ball out of the park with the model Y with the, with the large castings. Um, when you're folding, I know that it on paper it's easier. It's just we haven't made too many cars by origami before. Mm-hmm. And I'm just a little worried that it's going to be like, oh, it doesn't fold the way we wanted it to. Or, you know, like any one of those problems on, on a brand new piece of, of automated technology um, can really set you back in, in terms of uh, months, not necessarily in terms of years and decades. But, yeah. Well, if you look back to the Model 3 production woes that they had, that was really scale yeah they had a lot of problems with scaling now they've learned a lot you know a model y is certainly scaling a lot faster than model 3 did but that's leveraging 75 percent of your processes learning what not to do i think that that will largely go into model or the cybertruck as well however again as you say the production processes are are different so i think everybody needs to set their expectations accordingly with the car and expect delays expect the usual quality control problems model y right now i'm sorry is riddled with uh, quality control problems right now that they really have to sort out. Um, even Ben Sullins is just literally going to put out a video. He has problems with his brand new car. So, uh, you know, there's something to be said about not buying the very first one off the production line. Uh, well, that's why I waited. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, you guys it, had the, one of the first ones. I was going to say, and it could be that this slowdown, as detrimental as it's been to the economy at large, that it could have helped companies like Tesla because they can sort of revamp their processes, look at you know the way they've been building out the cars and try to rectify some of those issues that are being reported in these productions that are already been produced. And then as those changes go into place, you improve the quality of the product moving forward. So it could be that... A VIN delivered, you know, four to six weeks from now, maybe vastly different than one of the earlier VINs, just because they've made some of those changes in the, in the, uh, the slowdown. Speaking of which, excellent, excellent segue, Eric, because Model 3s being delivered soon, or actually right now, American ones, now have the USB-C ports and the charger that were uh, shortly introduced, uh, well, introduced a, a short time ago for the Chinese-made Model 3s. So we knew that uh, when they made the changes to the Model Y going to USB-C, I mean, we were all like, okay, well, this is obvious. They're going to put it in a Model 3. It's just a matter of whatever kind of downtime. Obviously, that happened during the COVID shutdown um, at the factory. So now Model 3s, if you get one of the new ones, you're going to get USB-C ports in it and a uh, wireless charger. So there you go. you don't have to flip those damn USB things anymore. (laughs) It goes in either way. Best thing in the world. I just, I literally just bought a new... revisions to get it right? (laughs) <laughs> well, yeah, Apple, Apple did with the lightning cable. So, 
Uh, yeah, it's a wonderful thing. I, I literally bought a new camera and it's USB-C and it's just like, I can just plug it in blind. It's awesome. So anyways, <laughs> look for that. If you're uh, waiting for Model 3 or obviously with the new Model Y, you can get that. All right. So that covers our Tesla news. Uh, now I want to spend a little time talking about uh, the Tesla semi-truck. Um, Elon took to Twitter and, uh, well, not to Twitter. There was a leaked email that came out and it's been verified that, um, that it definitely happened. Um, Elon has basically um, said that uh, they're ready to start volume production of the semi-truck. Now, for those of you who may not be paying attention or have been uh, watching for some time, uh, Tesla originally unveiled the semi-truck, uh, was it November, December 2017, guys? You guys were there. I, I forget when it was. Uh, it was November, one of those two months. November, yeah. It was November 2017. Yeah. That was the one where they pulled out the Roadster and everybody forgot all about the semi-truck, right? Anyways, yeah. um, <laughs> um, so, and we've talked about the semi many times on the podcast. Um, the semi is not like other Tesla cars. You can't just drop an unfinished beta-tested product or, or let the, the end customer be the beta tester. This thing needs to have millions of miles on it, be very well tested because those customers will not tolerate mm breakdowns or problems or quality control problems. So they've been spending this time uh, getting the truck right. Now, in conjunction with that, there's always been this underlying thing going on, which was um, supply of batteries. Tesla has been putting all of their money into Model 3, getting that ramped up. And um, now we have this other project that's been uh, working internally for Battery Day, which is Tesla essentially building their own battery cells to try and remain somewhat independent or not quite as tied to Panasonic as they have been in the past. So I want your thoughts. Uh, do you think that this secret project tied in with Battery Day and this news of semi-truck going into production is all tied together? Yeah, I, I think that the leak was just Elon getting frustrated hearing about uh, Nikola One getting all this press, uh, <laughs> getting billions of dollars of, of investor money. And I think it was just a little like just to remind everybody, especially the companies out there that that, you know, just keep in mind with Nikola One, you and I can go put down a zero deposit for the for the truck um, right now. And that's what thousands of people and companies have done. Right. Because there's no money down. Um, and so Nikola One gets to count each of those trucks at, on their bottom line for some reason. And I think it was Elon's way of saying, hey, remember, we've got a truck coming out, too. Um, don't don't forget about that. And putting it in a leaked email makes it uh, newsworthy. Right. Because he can put anything True. in a leaked email and he's like, oh, I want carrots for lunch today. And then it gets leaked <laughs> to the press and people are going like, Elon eats carrots? What does that mean? Five ways that business, you know, it's like, okay. Yeah. Like, Right. Two, two, mean, two letter tweets and entire articles come out. Right. right. And by some but parties, some tweets so. he comes out with and, you know, people are just like they don't know what to make with them. So, right. you know, a leaked email is like is like it's a got super the right tweet, words, you know. To, yeah. <laughs> leaked. Leaked email. Right and, and he confirmed it in like like a, an hour or something. Right. He was just like, yeah, that's true. <laughs> I mean, I got to imagine that he was like, how can we how can we get this message out to the. But I mean, yeah, I think that I think that whatever the secret battery day stuff is going to have a lot to do with the semi truck. I think that the semi truck is going to have those batteries, um, whether they be the the million mile battery or whether they be something completely different. I mean, I I have just tried to not expect anything from battery day while at the same time expecting, you know, fusion, um, <laughs> because I'm just so excited. I have no idea what it could possibly right. be. It could be it, it could be anywhere between like. Uh, Oh yeah, you know the batteries that we're putting in the Model 3s in China? That's our thing. 
Like they could do that. And we'd have to be like, oh, okay. And maybe they'd be like, there are many benefits. Here are the benefits. They don't catch on fire. They don't, you know, they have a longer life and, they cobalt. and they don't use cobalt. Those are three big things. And we might but have, that's just, not it. Then that's we might've just hyped it up so big in our no. mind that we're, we're expecting some kind of like graphene. He said it would nano. blow your mind, dude. Yeah. I, right. It's so, going to blow your mind. Yeah. How many of we you think able- that they're going to do something like Autonomy Day and have more of the engineers on stage? Like, here's Professor Jeff Don. He's the guy responsible for the testing of the batteries and developing this new electrolyte that prevents buildup. Yeah, I mean, Elon really wants it to be an in-person day for some reason. Like, I really yeah. thought you could do this virtually, but uh, I think he's waiting for a couple of things. I think he's waiting for something to be finished, installed, and up and running, I'm guessing, at Fremont. And I bet you because of COVID that that's been delayed a lot more than he wanted. And so he just isn't ready to, because Tesla's not the kind of company that just has a chart on a screen behind no, you or, true, a, yeah. a, you know, they, they want, there's usually something actually physically happening. So my guess is that that's not actually quite running yet. And that's why he hasn't called for the day. Cause yeah, yeah they don't, they don't damn, just computer the simulate. They don't just simulate a hammer hitting a car. They actually hit the car with that sledgehammer. <laughs> they actually right? break the windows. <laughs> actually break the windows with massive steel balls. I, you know, I think there, um, there's a lot of credit to what you guys are saying. I would add to that um, that they could treat this almost like it's a first date where you're sort of just kind of guarding yourself. You're not revealing everything. But then there's that one moment where you finally go, now is the time and you drop the bomb of the big bombshell and that's the awe moment no different than roadster after semi like it was great when they had the semi debut and we're thinking oh that's it it's just it's amazing you see it like wow look at it it's a pure tesla and then it's like and one more thing and that one more thing became Uh, the hyped up story after the old apple stagecraft exactly so it could very well be that's what's going to happen where they're and i think it's good to have the the scientists the engineers the analysts who are up there because there's going to be the audience that wants to know the nitty-gritty our friend tesla tino rafael would be one of those who would sort of like saturate in the knowledge of all of the details of the coding and stuff behind this but then at the same time there's the lay person who goes I just want to understand how far can I go with this and be able to tie the advancement in technologies when the 2012 Model S had an EPA rating of 265. And in less than a decade, we're looking at cars that now can eclipse 400 EPA rating, which is amazing when it comes to battery tech. And now you're seeing the possibility of having a semi truck towing its cargo and be able to drive a million miles uh, over the life of its battery. Like that's that's amazing to think about when we have auto parts that, oh, my timing belt just went bad or my radiator is going to got you know my alternator is killing like just the thought of i don't have to replace anything really for a battery for a million miles um and then after that they could have another thing but i think all of that could be the the showmanship that elon likes to uh portray right so i, I mean push. i kind of oh okay. yeah no no well i was thinking you know back when they debuted the power wall and he shows that off the power wall and then he, then they talk about that. the power pack and then they basically just pan the camera over and they're like we're being powered by this power pack mm-hmm. um i don't think that that landed no um because i think that a lot of people were just like those are big white boxes i don't understand like we weren't primed and ready for that mm-hmm. if if tesla did something like that with bi-directional charging and and he kind of unveils it and it's a model three or if it's a model s or even a right. semi truck and he's just like and this whole event's being powered by this car you'd be like oh there's there's your reason to have it in person right yeah, yeah. 
It's yeah, a big deal. Like we have that. a power pack installation. I just found it here. I had heard about it over a year ago that there was a power pack installation here in my neighborhood, uh, 16 megawatt hours. Mm-hmm. And wow. I found it. It's huge. Yeah. And it's enough to power 22,000 homes, they say, during peak That's periods. Amazing. So oh, it's yeah. it's pretty crazy. They spent twelve million dollars on it or something like that. Anyways, that's beside the point. So listen, um, let's talk about the semi truck a little bit more. Now I heard through the grapevine, Zach, that you actually have a reservation for one of these things. Yeah, yeah, I signed up that night. Um, so we're number eighty five, I think, on the list, or sixty five. Wow. Sixty five. Sixty five. So, uh, yeah, we might get it before Anheuser Busch. Yeah. Or Walmart. Or Walmart. <laughs> so what are you doing? You starting a microbrewery? Like, what are you doing? What are we going to hold this doing? thing? I mean, we've well, so many yeah. stupid ideas to do with this truck. Like, we yeah. want to do just like for a, just for YouTube videos. Like, what do you? Well, doing? I mean that too. But like, we you know we want to first of all drive around the country uh, and show off. We want to get people butts and seats is our big thing. So like, we want people to experience this. We want truck drivers to drive it. We want people to open their minds to it. And I think the only way to do that for a lot of people is to see it in person. Yeah. So that's one of our big things. We're going to be driving it all over the place. Canada yeah, I want to. I want to break uh, other semi trucks. You know, get big just one of those big rigs, the giant tubes coming up and just, just destroy it. Yeah. Uh, with our, <laughs> not, not hit it, but pull no, it no, and have the engine okay. jump out of it or right. whatever they do whenever, you know, so it's a philanthropic, uh, Thing. Yeah, and, be, and also, Partially. but I mean, we also want to have like, uh, you know, concerts where you know the stage unfolds in the back of the semi, and it's all powered by solar and power packs. So, or, oh, you yeah, know. that's good. That reminds me. So you're still doing the music thing, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. We've got uh, you know, uh, own a music publishing company. We've got a recording studio. Although the, most of the recording studio is taken over by our YouTubers, uh, editors, and stuff now. But yeah. but you know, but occasionally <laughs> we have you know artists in there, and yeah. So music is always you know in my heart. So. I just think it'd be great. Like, I mean, Dead Mouse, for instance, he he wants a semi. I'm like, let's just do your next tour, dude, with with a semi truck, right? And and I mean, yeah, I want to do a big camper, like a big, you know, full trailer camper, fully solar powered, off grid. Because I mean, if we could start to show, like, you could buy a house for <laughs> you know uh, three hundred thousand, a half a million to a million dollars, or <laughs> you could buy a really big trailer to go with your with your semi truck yeah and it would cost maybe three hundred thousand in that range and then like neighbors yeah you just you leave um just to get people thinking in different ways because you know we always kind of do these things that show uh what can be possible you know where people will you know drive across the uh, whole countries just on solar power or um like uh, the clean to Antarctica, where they where they almost made it to the North Pole, uh, South Pole, uh, only on solar, and it's like you're just showing that things can be possible. So that way, you might, as a normal person, might be like, "Oh, I'll get solar on my house. It'll be kind of like that, except it's to run my microwave, you know, or whatever." Right. No, I mean, I just think you know, there's we think, of course, this makes sense for truck drivers, but there's so many truck drivers that we've talked to who are just they haven't, first of all, even heard of it, or if they have heard of it, they've got so many objections that aren't real objections. You know, they're just like like, early days of Model S all over again. You know, exactly. Exactly. So, I mean, being able to just show, like, dude, I just got here and I didn't have to charge all day, like, would be enough to make them go, what? You know, and that's what we want to do. So Tesla's also been very quiet on the mega charger front. Any concerns about that? I mean, you'd think that they would start deploying that stuff if they were ready to put the car. You can't put the cart before the horse. 
Yeah, but I think they're going to do partnerships with companies where the you know say Walmart or Anheuser Busch is going to agree to you know either have Tesla help carry some of that cost or maybe you know some partnerships so that they put them in at, you know either end of a route um, because I agree with you I don't think that Tesla it's not a money thing I just don't think that the the grid can handle in many places putting in that much. Uh, charging dedicated to one truck at right. a time. You'd probably need large battery banks. <laughs> Here's in Ian with a comment. <laughs> yeah, kind of like Northern Ontario. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> problem, yeah. Uh -huh. Rings a bell. Rings a bell. But yeah, can yeah. I just imagine when you start talking about the mega charger? Holy smokes! I mean, you know, entire towns are going to go dim when these guys plug in. <laughs> well, like, like the Griswold the Christmas sense. lights. <laughs> And that's why it makes more sense to have charging that you may not have to draw that much at once. So if, if you're at the end of your route for the day and you have more time, then it won't have to pump out as many kilowatts. And I'm, I'm guessing in the beginning, they're going to have to do stuff like that because, yeah, our grid, let's just, you know, I don't know about you guys up in Canada. You probably have a great grid, but because you give us most of our power actually here where we are today. <laughs> do sure a lot. <laughs> our grid is the worst. Uh, it is running, you know, just on a thread. And I think we we all just seem to think that like, oh, we've got this uh, state of the art grid. No, no, we do not. Uh, it needs a lot of help. Yeah. And utilities have no incentive to work on it. Right. And I mean, right. that's where the battery packs can come in because the, yeah. you know, you can trickle charge the battery pack, then you pull in the truck and you dump the power. And the rest of the time, that battery pack can be stabilizing the grid. And as we've seen in Australia, and Australia is a perfect example because energy prices are so high, but it kind of is a moneymaker to just have the battery. So you could say to say like Walmart or Anheuser-Busch or any of the company like Pepsi, I think ordered one, you know, and it's, you could just be like, hey, uh, part of buying this truck is going to also mean putting in a mega charger and part of putting in a mega charger is going to be putting in a large battery facility. Um, but that's going to pay off over a pretty short amount of time. Right. Um, yeah, it, it, it'll definitely be interesting because i mean if you plug in uh you know to a regular wall outlet to charge your your semi truck you're going to be waiting a while <laughs> i want to do that that'd be a good video that'd be a great video uh, like on a 120 circuit like how many weeks yeah. does it take to charge? Oh, like yeah, four months. Amps. <laughs> yeah. 15 amps right yeah it'd just it'd be your gift long yeah. <laughs> Day 18, you here. <laughs> I was saying, you think the quarantine's bad now? Wait until you can't drive your car for a few years. Yeah. Well, I mean, the, I, I'm just wondering, because like, it, it will have a giant range, too. Because, I mean, it's supposed to have up to, what, 500 miles? five or 600 miles fully loaded. Fully Imagine loaded. Yeah. unloaded. Yeah, pulling 80,000 pounds, yeah. Yeah, because that's where I want to do, uh, you know, a cannonball run in that thing. I know you just did one up in Ooh. Canada with the Mall of Three. But, I mean, imagine not stopping. Yeah. I don't know if I'd like that. I think I wouldn't you need uh, a lot. Keep of your windshield washer bottles handy. You might need them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, any plans on like w like regular range or long range semi truck? Like, what do you? Th what do so you think yeah, there's the the base model 150. I would like the long range because I just think that then go big or go home. Yeah, exactly. you know, I mean, yeah. it's not every day you decide to buy a semi truck that's never been made before. <laughs> I mean, it's not that expensive. I just want to put this in perspective. It's what 150 for the starter truck and 180 for the. That's how much the Model X was right. a couple years ago. So I mean, yeah. for the and, base model, and you can lease this thing out. I mean, we've had so many truck drivers who are like, dude, I'll I'll drive that for you. So yeah, just make some money truck leasing it. company. Now you know leasing. <laughs> that that was my next question does one of you guys have a class 8 license we're planning on getting a, one of us getting a, a trucker's license uh okay. we've looked into it and i mean i think we'll do a, like a video thing about it when we go to to do that my only i'm mean, like i'm all for it the only problem is in most of the classes i've talked to most of the schools 
only let you take a class with their truck. And I don't want to learn how to double yeah. shift and double clutch and all that stuff. I, I want to just be in the Tesla truck. So we're going to find a school that lets put it in drive and press exactly. the pedal. Because it'll have like a button to do backup. Like that's what I want. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't have to worry about the trailer jackknifing and stuff. Exactly. Just press the button and let it do its thing, right? Yeah. Right. Yeah. That, I, that'll be a game changer, actually. I, I, keep, I, I keep forgetting yeah. that, it, that it won't allow you to jackknife, that the semi truck, because it has the four motors, it's going to be able to torque vector steer and yeah. prevent mm-hmm. jackknives. Um, I don't know if we're going to test that particular feature when we get the truck. <laughs> um, we're not going to enter ice truckers and uh, go for that. To, it sounds steering. like something. Okay. It sounds like something Kyle would be up to testing. Yeah. <laughs> Kyle will drift oh, the man. hell out of that. Awesome. He will drift anything if you I give mean, him the chance. The crazy thing is without any uh, load, it will accelerate as fast as my car. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I drive a Model 3. And it's just like, that's insane. Like, yeah. the, I think that if you put a trucker in just the cab and just say, like, go, go for it. They would have so much fun. It, it's mm-hmm. the same as, as, you know, it's the same as any Tesla, really, except that you have to keep, you know, you have to keep in mind that, like, it, it's just going to be a completely, it'll be a new experience. I mean, yeah. no one's ever, no, you, you picture this thing only going a certain speed your whole life. Like, you're on the highway and you're picturing these trucks getting on to an on-ramp. And you oh, just I was just about how, to say that. You know, and this is going to change how all of that. frustrating it is to be yeah. behind these stupid things. Right. Yeah. Just trying to get well, you know what? The other the other problem too, and this we talked about the power grid being sort of archaic here in the U.S. The way we handle transportation, by and large, for freighting products, is very archaic, right? It's you know you're using train systems, which is really the fastest way of getting something somewhere. You can certainly air freight some stuff, but that's not cheap for a lot of companies, especially if it's heavy weight. Um, so usually it comes off of a train. You take it off the train car. You put it on the back of a truck and you drive away. And the problem is you have a lot of drivers who don't get paid very well in the different markets they're in. They tend to drive a very large number of hours relative to them actually getting rest. Um, We see a lot of accidents involving these vehicles because they can't stop in time. There's other drivers uh, and passenger cars who sort of cause the accidents because they cut them off and all these different things. So ideally, the transportation system when it comes to cargo is not the safest system we have. And for all the different things that Zach and Jesse are mentioning here in terms of the safety features, the functionality, the speed, the performance, et cetera, et cetera, it, it, you need to revolutionize it. So a lot of these drivers, to, um, to, the, to Zach's point, once you put them in the vehicle, once you actually get the butt in the seat and let them experience it firsthand, they start to equate the things you actually tell them. But by and right. large, when you just have the conversation and say, well, here's what this vehicle can oh, yeah. do, they don't yeah. understand what that means because they've never, ever had that experience. Every truck they've ever been in has largely been the same kind of cab. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe one you can, you know, sleep in the back and one you can't. But ideally, like, there's the same truck. So once you have your Class A license, that's it. You're good to go. And now you, you're talking about, as Zach pointed out, with these schools going, well, if you're going to learn, it's going to be on this specific rig. Well, if you're going to have now an electric rig, which is a totally different vehicle experience to begin with, your schools now have to also adapt to that experience, whether it's with Nikola or Tesla or anything else. So, yeah, this is really going to revolutionize how we handle the entire uh, grid sector for electricity, how we handle with the trucking systems, how we handle transportation and products. Um, but that's warranted. It's long overdue, but we need to do that. And for the layperson, they just kind of, you know, if you're not in this circle of network that we're in with electric vehicles and everything else, like we know this stuff because we live it all the time. But to the average person, it's complete fodder for them. They don't even know what that is. It's a right. perfect and, market ripe for disruption. Yeah. And I mean, here's the thing. Really awesome. Here's the thing. One word. 
autopilot, it's going to completely change the yeah. game. Can you believe, I can't believe when I'm on the highway and I'm an autopilot and I'm looking over at a truck, that that trucker has been driving all day with mm -hmm. his hands and I'm just like, I couldn't do that. I mean, I maybe for a day or a week I could, but after that I'd be like, forget that. Right. Just having the truck have autopilot, just having that experience of being like, yeah, I got to where I wanted to go and it wasn't completely beat. Mm -hmm. So beat because I mean, like, it's hard enough to drive a Tesla. Oh, I'm driving my Tesla. It's so hard to drive all the time. I don't have to tell. I don't Where's have to that shift. That's me. No, that's me. Actually. I'm like, I'm we're, like, we're driving down in North Carolina. We did 12 hours and like in autopilot, it's nothing. But the second you're have to drive for a few minutes you're, you're just like, like oh, oh my, my brain hurts i mean <laughs> all these truckers are going to just be like this is amazing yeah. you don't understand it they're going to be at the truck stop you know supercharging if they even stop you know and they're just going to be like guys look at like i'm uh, i'm awake right now i'm not like a zombie because i've been driving so hard and that's it's just that's one thing plus if tesla can implement their um you know the the convoy, the convoy the mode. Convoy. I mean, yeah. it's yeah. all over. Like that's the thing. Like yeah. we haven't even started talking about the economics of it. That's the crazy part. Yeah. I mean, yeah. and I'm sure you guys talk a lot about all of this, but it's just like, even even for me, it's hard to fully picture each monumental change that it's going to make. Right. Yeah, I think the trucking industry is going to have a real wake up call when this thing hits the roads. FineLab has aligned protective coatings that were engineered to protect your Tesla's paint, leather, carpet, plastic, and wheels, effectively blocking all those UV rays and environmental factors before they ever get to ruin your brand new baby. FineLab offers a complete line of car care products and ceramic coatings for both the do-it-yourselfer and professional detailers. Did we mention we also have the world's first self-healing coating? Check us out at FineLab.com, that's spelled F-E-Y-N-L-A-B, to see the science behind the self-healing. Check out our product catalog and click contact us for a free quote from a certified installer in your area. Fine Lab and Tesla. We were meant for each other. All right. Well, it brings me to the next thing. And one of the reasons I brought you guys onto the show here is to talk about the big elephant in the room. And that is Nikola. They've been getting a lot of headlines this week. And uh, I think it's our duty to actually have a look at this whole situation and really call a spade a spade because, you know, We've all been involved in the Tesla community for a number of years now, and the last two and a half years have been pretty brutal uh, with the Tesla Q crowd. Those are the guys that are always shorting Tesla and making up all kinds of lies and stuff and calling Tesla every name in the book, and Elon's a liar, And uh, and uh, but as it turns out, we know the truth. Tesla is the real deal. They're developing uh, all kinds of new products. They have products they're shipping. They're profitable. I mean, it's taken them a long time, but now they're there. And we've got a company over here <laughs> that just went public who basically have no products on the roadmap. Uh, well, they have products on the roadmap, but they, they're not shipping anything right now. We have a CEO who's young, um, who's very brash, who fancies himself a, uh, an Elon Musk, the next Elon Musk. Um, the moment the company went public, he cashed in $70 million worth of shares and stepped down as CEO. <laughs> And he's pretty brash on the internet, and um, there's a lot of talk about this company, and I, I want to have this discussion today because um, if, if there's anything that Tesla Q should be looking at uh, in terms of a real fraud, is probably these guys. So I said it, sorry. I, I, these guys I rub me completely the wrong way. This Trevor Milton guy rubs me the wrong way. 
the whole Tesla Q uh, thing is that they are backed by big oil. And I mean, let's just call that what it is. I mean, you can't keep shorting a stock for as long as Tesla was shorted unless you have backing. And that was big oil's play because every day that they can keep Tesla from selling you a car is a day that they've won. So the reason they're so excited about Nikola One is it's a fossil fuel play. Hydrogen is made from natural gas, and that is why it's a fossil fuel play. Now, you can get hydrogen other ways, but let's just talk about the efficiencies and let's talk about the CEO of Nikola One. He's not a first principles guy. He's a salesperson, and he's he's done a great job of selling this idea. But hydrogen is nowhere near as efficient as batteries. It's actually worse than gasoline. Exactly. So you can sell it however you want as you know this clean energy or whatever but at the end of the day it doesn't make a whole lot of sense when you compare it if you have electric batteries up and running so his argument would work maybe in a world where there was no tesla and where there was no talk of electric you know vehicles but there is that world and the thing is most of these uh people who are getting into this company either don't know about tesla and so it sounds great wow this great clean fuel that i've never heard of or they haven't done the quick science to show that it is completely inefficient um, and then his proposition that, oh, you know, I'll just build out this network with the money I'm getting from all these people buying the trucks. Uh, there's so many weak links to his argument and to his business proposition. The first being that you don't have to put any money down to get the truck. I mean, speaking of it, which, I'm going to go and place so, a reservation right now as we talk. There you go. You, you just added to the bottom line. You know place what? 10. Um, 10. Yeah, I'll order fact, 10. 10 for me. Perfect. <laughs> all right. I'm going to I'm going to do it right now. Go ahead. Keep talking. I'm going to put it, <laughs> 10 reservations down for a Nikola one. And there you Nobody go. And they're gonna, no harm done. They're going to they're gonna count that on their bottom line to shareholders. And it's going to keep going up, too, for a while. It's going to be, wow, look at this. As the news went out and people went to their website and saw, wow, I can put money Test down on the truck. TeslaOwnersOnline.com. There you go. Perfect. <laughs> what yeah. color is yours going to be? I don't, I don't know. I, I, I don't think this thing's ever going to ship. So what matter, What difference does it make? <laughs> it's going to be vapor colored. Yeah. yeah. Hydrogen uh, blue. Hydrogen yeah. blue. Champagne but dream. <laughs> but I mean, Big but, Oil needs you to get behind this because they need to sell a product and they need to sell hydrogen. Um, and that right. is their big play. And it's, it's a wonderful sounding story. It's clean. Uh, so, you know, pumps in fast. So it sounds great. It's just that it doesn't it doesn't work out when you do the math. Right. I mean, there, there have been auto manufacturers that explored going with the hydrogen route. I think it was Honda or Toyota at some point was thinking of like fuel stations for hydrogen. And that project died as fast as it came up because it just it's not a viable solution. It's extremely costly to implement. And it's just just, just like, yeah, I mean, you're the other thing. The other thing I, I think about, too, with um, your point, Zach, is when when you're looking at competitors, to me, if Tesla's advancement in technology whether you look at just their overall coding, their software, the batteries, whatever it is, they have blown away any potential competition for at least the next 10 years. Because any any company who's trying to get caught up is going to really have their, their work cut out for them. But even with Tesla saying in the outset, listen, we're going to make our patents available for the public, just like Volvo did when the seatbelt patent came out back in the 60s, because ideally they knew it was for the greater good. So companies have at least had access to some of the same information that Tesla's been producing with their patents, but everyone's like, eh, that's that's a niche thing. It's cute. It's not really fundamentally sound. But now they've proven after more than a decade, no, it kind of is fundamentally sound. And when you're trying to find alternates to Tesla, the answer doesn't mean, well, let's go with a different energy source because they've got the battery part down. we got to do something different. What What is possibly out there that you could do differently that has not already been explored by somebody else before that is as viable or greater than battery technology. 
I, I don't understand what that is. And so it's the purest form of I mean, energy storage. Yeah, I mean it really is. And and but the problem is when when you see stars that use hydrogen and helium and they die and they, you know, our our own sun and our own, you know, solar system will eventually gobble up the earth and eradicate everything on it, which is it 2021 yet? Um, you know, the, <laughs> these things could certainly happen any time. But it's it but it's a fool's errand to think that you're going to come up with a product that is a viable competitor to Tesla if you're not using battery technology, when there are ways using hydropower, wind power, or solar power to create the energy necessary to recharge the car, that naturally you can't just look at the air, breathe in or breathe out and go, well, I got hydrogen. If I just if I just breathe into my, my battery pack, I'm good to go. Like, that's not how that works. It, it takes a lot of energy to make hydrogen to be able to fuel it into a car. The channel well, it's completely, that utterly inefficient. I mean, we all know hydrogen's the most prevalent thing in the universe. The problem here on planet Earth is everything, hydrogen's bound up in everything. Mm -hmm. it, it just doesn't float around. So you literally have to take elements, whatever, and break it apart. That requires electricity. Now you have this hydrogen. Yeah, okay, you have oxygen too. But now you have to store it. You have to densify it because you don't want to transport it as a gas. It's too flammable. Now you got to transport it. Now you got to store it. Then you put it into the vehicle. Then you got to convert it back through an, uh, uh, a fuel cell process to store the energy again into a battery and then consume it. You know, I mean, these are all these steps. It's crazy. You know who knows that very well? Elon Musk, because he runs SpaceX. And you know what they need to launch rockets in the space? Liquid hydrogen and liquid oxygen. How easy to do that? It's not easy. Can't use batteries, but. It's the only thing they have. But, yeah, but no, it's not it easy. Makes it, no. Well, the thing is, and just like Zach said, all we're doing with the hydrogen thing is we're just changing from a, a, a fossil fuel economy to a hydrogen economy. Um, they just want to keep selling the same stuff. Have you looked at how much it costs? I mean, there was an article that was running around. Or somebody was saying um, uh, they had a Toyota Mirai, right? The fuel cell car. Mm -hmm. They were trying to trade it in. and Nobody wants the damn thing. Mm. Because it costs too much to fill the tank. And the right. resale values are in the toilet. There's, I mean, how many hydrogen filling stations are in the U.S. total? I think it's 29 the last time I checked. Much. Yeah, And they're I mean, all in California. They're all in California. I have a friend who lives in California, and he's buying a Mirai. And I was like, why are you doing that? He's like, it's so cheap to, to buy the car. I'm like, well, okay. And then where are you going to fuel it? And he's like, well, there's a station right down the road. And I'm like, okay. And when you move back over here, you're going to have to sell it, and it's not going to be worth any more money because there's going to be more Model 3s on the road, and no mm -hmm. one is going to be thinking of hydrogen as a valid thing. And, it, and as soon as they close down the hydrogen fuel station next to your house, then... Well, nobody wants them next to their house. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Ex well, exactly. And it's like, you know, I can charge my car by putting solar panels on the roof of my house. You can't make I can't hydrogen. make hydrogen. I mean, I could. And that's where some people <laughs> kind of are just like, I could make my own hydrogen... Bob and then I it. put them in the car, <laughs> and, and and because they're the same people who are like batteries are too complicated to make, but electrolysis, that's something. <laughs> you just put it in, right? You just stick the two leads in the water, and you're you're going. So they're just like, I can do that, um, and that's where I think that you know we're 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 used to having a, a tank to fill things in with, and making the tank is not that complicated, unless of course you want to store hydrogen, um, but. <laughs> It's just that mindset of like, I can fill the tank and then I can well, use it. That's exactly it. Fossil fuel companies want to keep selling you something at a at a service pump. And that's how they keep you stuck to them. And right. they know that as soon as you get onto an electric car, 
you no longer stuck to their pumps and they can monopolize it. I mean, right. it, it's, it, if there weren't different, uh, you know, fossil fuel and, you know, companies, then it, you'd have a monopoly and it, it would be very, very expensive. It, and, it, and that's what uh, Nikola one could do. They could just be like, okay, we've sold all the trucks and we built all the infrastructure. And now guess what? It's, Twice as expensive. Well, that's to buy what they're hoping hydrogen. for. They're going to have a monopoly on the stations. Right. Is what they hope. Well, and, well and to me, the problem with all of this, it comes down to the greed component. I mean, the idea of actually having natural energy resources that nature provides us and using those to be able to power our electrical grid, to be able to charge our vehicles, to do all sorts of different things, that's relatively free energy and low cost energy. We're now seeing that the production of solar panels, uh, using wind turbines, even some hydropower stations, to build those out is actually so much less expensive than it used to be because we're producing the technology at such a rapid rate that, you know, if we were to incentivize those resources the way that we incentivize wheat production, corn production, fossil fuel companies, then yeah, that would be super freaking cheap. There's a reason why your Big Mac is more expensive than some of the healthier things you buy at the grocery store, because that's where the government is putting its funding, which is to make that stuff cheap and accessible. You can't buy breakfast syrup without looking at the ingredients and seeing high fructose corn syrup. It's practically everywhere, right? So, so the idea is if, if the electric companies and the oil companies sort of like got together in a room and you were to kind of listen in the conversations, you would see they're trying to formulate every which way to survive, just survive. And the way to do that is to make sure you're getting the government on your side. You're just going to dump lobbyist money after lobbyist money after lobbyist money at them, trying to make sure that you're getting people buying into what you want to keep your sustainable program going. Even though when you use that term, it's not the sustainable that you'd want it to be done because all you're looking is self-sufficiency and self-survival. And that's yeah, a problem. Five, five, to your point, $5 trillion of subsidy every year. You wonder why we're still on fossil fuels. It's because it's being subsidized. If there was a level playing field, we would we would be leaving it in droves. Yeah. Elon's been saying that for so long. You know, when I'm investing in a company, I look at the CEO and the leadership structure. And let's just look at these two leaders here, right? You got Nikola One, where he cashes out on the first day. You got Elon, who says, "Don't pay me until I make you a gob of money." Right. Mm -hmm. And and well, and has consistently through thick and thin put all of his resources and and sometimes Last even dollar. his relationships right. uh to put in more money just to keep his goals alive right. um and ultimately they do have a destination and they're very long term i mean right. he wants to have life on mars and you can't just do that by being like i'm gonna launch myself to mars that's that's not what See he it. wants he wants many people to be on mars and that's so far out of the scope of what anyone generally thinks about um that's where i think the magic of elon is is that he is he's a long-term planner and the moves that he's making don't always seem to make the most sense until you look at it in the broader scheme of things and you're like oh a fully sustainable earth uh sending resources to mars to become a fully sustainable mars now you have two planets cool we've never had that as a as a civil you know as a human society so I'm curious. Well, even, even like compare. Sorry, go ahead, No, I, I was going to change the subject. So if you want to continue, keep going. <laughs> well, the one thing I was going to say, like, in, if you look at their mission statements for the two different companies, you know, Tesla's ultimate mission is to, you know, really accelerate the world to using sustainable energy. Whereas Nikola's mission is to transform the transportation industry and make their employees' lives 
and the world a better place to live. Like that's that's great, but like, what does that entail? Do you mean like everyone's going to be richer? Uh, I mean, like I, I don't want to live in a world where your version of a better place is better than my place. <laughs> right? Like, like I mean, everyone's going to get a free truck reservation. Like, I don't understand what that means. And you know, look, some of these criticisms may have been sort of you know at the outset with Tesla too when Elon sort of tried to do this. But there's a very, very different approach in the first like 30 days of this all happening when clearly it's like, oh, I'm going to cash out now because the money is there. You know, and, and I and we've mentioned on the show, I'm just going to say this, we can move on. But I've certainly posited a number of times that it is bothersome for me that the Wall Street analysts and people who look at Wall Street numbers, all they want to see is a company's reports. And that then drives the conversation about how well or how poor something is doing. So if Nikola can say, hey, we've got 400,000 reservations in the last 24 hours, right? But if you got zero money behind it, what does it actually mean? And Wall Street goes, well, that's great. Look at the reservations they have. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh, looks like we had. Uh... All right. So I want to go back. I want to take a few moments here and just look at the product mix. Because if you remember, Tesla started with literally zero. They had a, they had a roadster. They basically survived on a little bit of investor money, mostly Elon, because he invested, what, $75, $80 million of his own money long-term. Uh, and then by you know necessity, they went public in, 20, uh, in 2010. Now, you got Nikola here, who has a very flashy website. Got to say that. looks really nice. Um, if you look at their hydrogen, they have one, two, three, four vehicles. Nikola 1, a Nikola 2. I'll talk about the name Nikola here in a second. <laughs> which are two semi-trucks, actually three semi-trucks. So they have one with a sleeper, one with a day cab, another one with a European cab, which is more the flat front truck. They got this new thing called a Nikola Badger, which is, you know, Cybertruck ripoff, if you ask me, as far as I'm concerned. And then they have this uh, plan for some power sports vehicles. So basically a Nikola NZT. Isn't that the name of a drug or something? Anyways, uh, something called a Reckless and a Nikola Wave, which is a Wave Runner, all supposed to be, well, I think the power sports ones are supposed to be battery-powered. Fully electric, fully electric. Yeah, electric. So the hydrogen really is more the, the vehicle sectors. And they um, like to talk about, of course, their, uh, their hydrogen stations, which are uh, fancy digital renders at this point. Listen, these guys haven't produced a single vehicle yet. They've, they, they have a handful of, of, of prototypes that have been driving around for testing. That's all fine. But I think the valuation of the company is based on a product roadmap that doesn't exist in real life at this point. Not to mention... This is the biggest problem I have, is that they're writing off of Tesla's coattails. Now, if you listen to Trevor Milton talk, anytime he has a chance, he, you know, he, he names the company Nikola after Nikola Tesla. So mm -hmm. I'm sure he would have called himself Tesla had he thought about it first. So now he goes with the first name. Second of all, he compares himself to Elon every chance he gets. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> I'm done. Talk about this. I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. I can't stand this guy. You're not going to have to worry about it. It's not, uh, it's going to implode so fast. Their runway is so short. Uh, there's not, I mean, they're going to be spending money so fast. And the amounts of money they're going to have to ask for for investors to keep the runway going are so large that unless they can pull a rabbit out of a hat, uh, their money's going to dry up pretty fast. And so you won't have to worry about this guy for too long. It's, you know, they're like the XFL of automaking. Like it's cute, it's niche, you think it's totally different, it's innovative, and then all of a sudden they play five weeks and they disappear. So, you know, as I said at the beginning of the show, <clears throat> um, before we went live and started recording, um, you know, we've all been in the, in the Tesla community for a long time. We've talked to, you know, we've been battling this Tesla queue, these, these short sellers. And, uh, you know, 
we know the truth about Tesla. They are always been the real deal. They have the right product mix. They have a path. Um, you know, they're executing properly. And we got this company over here <laughs> who's brand new, who, who, who if anybody needs to be shorting a company, if that's your thing, that's what you need to be looking at. Because this thing doesn't, it's a, it's a house of cards as far as I'm concerned. Right. It's just not going to go anywhere. Can we, uh, can we also, by the way, stop calling them Tesla Q and just call them Tesla, Tesla Slackers? To, to slack to slackers because they're a bunch of slackers they're sitting at home just you know just hitting you sitting know in their submit. mother's basement maybe there's a lot of trolls too i mean this the the reason they're it keeps trolls. going is that there's a large movement behind it it's not um it's, a, it's, it's not a, like it's a, a grassroots a, thing or something right. this it's is an it, army yeah it's fed by uh, i mean we got to talk about who stands to gain here it's any uh country or or companies that We'll make money off fossil fuels. So we're talking you, Russia. We're talking you, ExxonMobil. Like we're talking all these big companies that are going to put some money towards this because a few million bucks here and there is money well spent for them. Right. And it just sucks because it, it would be very beneficial for Tesla to have actual critics. And I mean like real critics, people who can point to things and say like, hey, this yeah, the service center problems yeah. and so forth. Right, like well, we and... know for firsthand. I mean, being involved with Tesla, they're not perfect. No. They're, no. There's, it's okay to love a product and not like what the company does all the time. Mm -hmm. Right, but the problem is, as soon as you admit any problem, the Tesla shorts will jump down your throat and just oh, be like, course. "He told you," and and therefore, uh, Elon is actually a figment of your imagination. You know, they'll come up with whatever they're going to say, right. and and so by not having a real um conversation it's just i mean luckily tesla is doing a pretty darn good job um but you know if they started to move in a direction that was was negative it would be hard to correct it because yeah. it's like the boy who cried wolf uh, anyone who has negative things to say about tesla you can just kind of be like oh you must be a, a tesla hater uh i experience it with the youtube channel all the time you get you know comments from people and you're just oh, like yeah. is this are you this dumb or like or, or misinformed mm -hmm. like do you not understand this or have you been sent by someone or are you a bot or are you a troll mm -hmm. and it's just like instead of having real conversations most of the time uh i just get bombarded with crap and like whoa this is this is oddly similar to something that other guy had said Oh, it's verbatim. Oh, that's troubling. You know, and you're just like, uh, whoa. So, you know, yeah, it would be nice if some Tesla shorts could kind of break off and say, we're still Tesla shorts. Tesla is going to fail. But hey, also, Nikola is going to fail. Um, if, if I saw that, I would at least be like, okay, this Tesla short person might have something that I would want to listen to. And, and because it is important to check your perspective mm -hmm, um, with other people, it's just like when you're checking it against insanity, it doesn't work so well. Right. Yeah, there's, also, there's quite a I bit also, of that insanity out there. I mean, there's yeah. people out there in the Tesla Q movement that just have an absolute hatred of Elon and everything he does. And that that just fuels their hatred. I mean, I love everything Jesse's saying. And, you know, the other, the other part of this too is, you know, there are a lot of folks who really sort of drag Tesla through the mud solely because they don't like Elon. 
it's not about what Tesla's doing. It's not about their vehicles or their battery packs or anything else. It's just that, you know, he, he could do something that we believe is noble and good, like going to Puerto Rico after the storms and, you know, bringing power to the island. And then someone could say, why would he do that? Why is it temporary? Why is he doing this to me? You know, it's no matter what he does, whatever misstep there may be perceived, whether it's right or wrong, there's always people waiting with their hands on their keyboard, just going, okay, now they're going to salivate and find a thing and go after it. Even if it's completely false, even if it's completely untrue, they're going to be like, all right, well, I'm, I'm here for this. Let's just go. And a lot of times to Jesse's point, they're just there to sort of start the wave going. They're, they're the guy in the baseball stand, just kind of standing up with their hands up in the air and everyone, and, and people are looking around like, okay, who's going to follow me. And it just, it, it grows very quickly. That is, by and large, what that community is like. And, you know, when when I think about the comments I see on YouTube about me, for example, usually it's, Eric, you talk too fast. I'm sorry, I can't help it. Or you're too loud. I'm, again, I'm Hispanic. I can't help it. So I'm going to try to do that. But if someone were to come after me with a way that's like, what, what? I don't know you. Why are you being so mean to a complete stranger on social media? It's but, too easy on the internet. But the thing is, when you see public figures like Elon and people that work for SpaceX, Tesla, et cetera, they, those people who are just in there doing the hard work day in and day out, trying to, to improve the quality of life for people around the world, and you decide to sit behind a keyboard and just blast them for no apparent reason, things that you would never say to your mother, things you wouldn't say to your wife or your spouse, your significant, but you would actually go on a keyboard and say that degrading comment about a person Look, you may be right. There may be some truth to some things that where they make a mistake, we even in the community will sort of call out, I don't think Elon's a god. And there are times he's made mistakes, and I've said so. Uh, you know, the issue with the, um, the, the cave uh, issue that happened overseas in Asia, like that was not great. There were certain things he said in the last several months about COVID, also not great. But the reality is he, like everyone else, is a person and can make mistakes. If he stands up and says, I made a mistake, I'm sorry, Okay, we move on. But there are a number of people who just the minute something there's a there's a fire. Oh, see, there you go. You can't trust those cars, they're all gonna burn. Like it's it's the everything now in 2020 is extreme. You either you either have logic and you understand the way things work and you can have sound reasoning, or you're the opposite of that, which is everything is hell. We're just gonna burn everything. And <laughs> I mean, and is it good? To your, to your point, Eric, a lot of this is because the social media platforms that we use are designed to make us all into monkeys throwing crap. Right. Um, I mean, Twitter is great if you have a feed with people you respect on it, but as mm -hmm. soon as it's it's not it's open to everyone, right? So people can just jump on your feed and start throwing crap, and that's what gets them what they want, which is you know attention. the most views and attention. So yeah. we've designed a system that gives the most attention to the people who can throw the most crap, and that's why I'm honestly not on Twitter that often because as much as I think the platform has value, I don't want to take all that crap. Right. And we like to have nuanced discussions. I mean, this this uh, mm -hmm. podcast, for example, you know, we're able to get our thoughts and feelings across. We're not limited to, what is it, 280 characters right. now? You know, mm -hmm. we're, it's, uh, and I think that and the other problem is, too, is that Elon is weird. And he has to be weird in order to do what he does. Like, let's right. let's be frank. Like, it, some normal guy, like, oh, hey there, Tom. Like, hi, I'm Tom. Like, he's not going to be running the you know Tesla and SpaceX the way that Elon is, um, because Elon quirky, is yeah. his. He is a quirky guy, um, and but people don't like that. Right. And and that is one very easy attack vector, as Elon likes to, oh, yeah. to, to put it. What's wrong with where, his speech pattern? How can he do presentations properly? Right, it's, not, right. it's not Steve Jobs. Like, he's gone. Right. 
What do you, what more yeah. do you want? Yeah. And, and, and I think that it's just every little chink in Tesla's armor is so easily exploited by people who can attack by the, by the, by the Tesla Q community. But intelligent people are looking for what we're doing right now. Long form, uh, conversations. Why do you think Joe Rogan just signed, you know, a hundred million dollar deal? Because people are, are hoping that we are getting away from this world where we just send out these stupid little, uh, thought bubbles. We want actual long form thoughts. And this is, this is fantastic that we're on here today. Partisan politics, um, through the news media too. It is completely corrupted. Well, we, we, we create these bubbles because we've grown accustomed to, to Zach's point, the way social media has been structured, which is you're going to first find things that are of interest to you. And then you find voices who support your, your politics, your, your thoughts on the world, whatever they may be. And then you start finding more people who echo the same things you believe. And next thing you know, all you hear is that echo chamber. You don't hear any discerning voices. You don't hear different opinions. It's only those things that support you. For example, if I think the Miami Dolphins are the greatest football team in the world, there's going to be some folks who go, what about Man United? And I'm going to go, that's a different football team, right? And all of a sudden, you get caught up in this minutia of, well, he says this, and she says that, and she's crazy, and there's memes posted up and all this other stuff. And it's all to see who's the loudest, most obnoxious person in the room. Jesse's right. Elon has to be this eccentric person to be able to do what Tesla and SpaceX and the boring company are doing because he's doing something that no company on earth could even fathom to know how to start doing and they're doing it. And the way he went about it was we're going to push the envelope every single day to the point where it's no longer stationary. Ah. So that's the thing that he has to do and he has to be that way. Again, he's going to make a mistake because he's he is thinking 10 steps ahead of wherever we are. Right. So when even when we're criticizing step number three, he's already on step number 17. He's just he's just going to keep on going. And All one just, has to do is watch what they're doing down in Boca Chica. Yeah, exactly. I mean, building rockets like in the middle so of nowhere. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And how many people will watch that watch that rocket to see what it does? And all of a sudden, it they they nuke or not nuke it, but they basically cancel the launch or it catches on fire or anything else. Like there's eyes on the world who want to know. Like like think about the views now for demo two. How amazing that was! Everyone around the world was having their eyes fixated on what's going to happen because of just how momentous it is. It's not the first time, obviously, we've launched Americans into space on American soil, but it's been a decade or nearly a decade since we've done it. So to see them do it, to see them successfully do it, every check mark they wanted to get done was checked off without any kind of incident to our knowledge. And here it is: they brought the rocket back, stage one. They've got the astronauts into the ISS. Everything so far has been a great success, and that's only the beginning stages of what their long-term mission is, which is to eventually land people on Mars. And SpaceX is now a household name. Yeah. True. Right. And they've done something that was so impossible. Now I barely even tune in. I'm like, oh, there's going to be a SpaceX launch in three hours? I'm like, "Ah, I kind of want to go to sleep. What do you you mean it didn't land on the drone ship properly? (laughs) (laughs) I thought they figured that out already. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) What was that, Ian? Sorry. I was going to say, it, it, that's the only tragedy about how good they are at it if they've now made it routine. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's, it's still yeah. mind-blowing to watch them land just a single Falcon booster. It's just like, what? what? 
you know, I, they, I, you they know, make it look good. easy, even though it's not. Whoops, yeah, I, but I'm like, hey, yeah, I, I don't watch every launch now. Just because, oh, yeah, they're, they're fine. They're going to do it. But I just want to put one last point into this, because this has been a very fascinating part of the discussion. Uh, the whole Tesla Q thing and that, that super powerful negative critique, this force where they're just constantly attacking everything that Musk does, has created something equally as bad on the other side. I don't know if it's fair to say equally bad, but something very concerning that really has bothered me all along is the the effect of creating the super fans, you know, who feel mm -hmm. like it's their life's work, that they have to go out and attack any any kind of criticism against Musk or his companies. And this feeds back to what Zach and Jesse were saying. It's like, well, how do you have a, you know, a healthy feedback loop, you know, to correct the path of the company if anything you say against them gets shot down by these people? And, you know, me as someone who is, you know, Part of, largely, part of the larger EV community and likes to push all of the different brands. I run into this all the time where people are like, you know, the people take me aside at EV events and say, we really like, you know, Tesla and what they're doing. But like to try and talk to Tesla owners sometimes, it's like it's impossible because you don't want to hear about any other brand or everything else is just trash compared to it. You know, mm -hmm. it just has to be put on such a pedestal. This really has bothered me over the years. It's kind of like you can be a huge fan of Tesla as I am and I, we all are. But I don't think you have to be to the exclusion of everything else, you know. And, and the so common I, defense I, I hear is the defense I hear all the time is, well, yeah, but they're attacked so viciously. Like we have to defend, we have to defend. Yeah, I know, but not like rabid dogs. You know, there's got to be some no, sort so, of a middle ground, so, right? So my question for you is, we we do the show every week, and we're looking for those companies that we would love to talk about more. And we've only found a handful, to be honest, mm -hmm. uh, companies that are 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 doing, you know, kind of cutting edge, uh, new technology, innovative companies. Most of these companies, I would love to talk great about Ford. I'd love to talk great about GM or, or VW. Mm -hmm. I honestly can't. And so my question is, what are these companies you're talking about? Well, you're right. I, nobody's at the level of Tesla, obviously. But... No, but I mean, what company out there is doing it for the right reasons? Like, I want to mm -hmm. follow that company. What company is that? I would argue right now VW is. I mean, they've got a huge amount of challenges, but I think they, at least five, six years ago, you know, committed themselves to a course where they want to electrify their entire fleet. You know, their goal was originally 2025 at the rate they're going. I have a hard time believing they're going to be anywhere close to uh, getting the majority of it. But I think certainly they'll be the closest to following in Tesla's footsteps at this point. And you see little tendrils from the other companies. And I'm not saying they're doing it for the right reason. Pretty much everybody else you know, Nissan being an exception with the Leaf, they were one of the early ones, but they really haven't done much with it since. I'd love to see them do more. But everybody else is being dragged into this kicking and screaming. Mm -hmm. And even though the reasons are wrong and we can't admire them morally because they're being dragged into it, they haven't volunteered for this. The fact of the matter is we have to, to some extent, if, if you're not going to actively encourage or cheer them on, you can't at least actively discourage them. Because if we need, if we're going to get anywhere close to the volume of vehicles converted uh, to electrification in the time frame that we need, and we all know that we've got about 10 years left on the clock before we have a massive reduction in CO2 if, if we're going to make it. So if we want to achieve that, we need all the automakers on board. So I just you're right. Right? I, I got to disagree on two fronts. First of all, I can't back a company that I, you just said you have trouble backing them morally. I don't want to back a company unless I can get behind what their message is and what they're trying to do. Right. So that's my first problem. My second problem is you say we need all these companies. We need people making cars, but what? Look, look at history. Right. Look at history. Yeah. And it wasn't that a whole bunch of companies made any particular product. It was usually that one or two companies took the, the lead. Others then tried to fill in behind. But like, 
let's talk about, I don't know, cell phones back in the 90s. We weren't like, we need dozens of companies making cell phones. We turned out to not need that many companies making cell phones. So I'm just, I don't think it has to be that there's dozens of companies making cars because I don't think there will be dozens of companies making cars. And, there's and a to good, get to there's the a... point too about the, about, you know, that they're trying to do it, but that they are, but yet at the same time that they, they haven't been able to achieve it, there's no excuse in my mind for them to not have achieved their goals if they have roughly the same period of time that Tesla had between, say, you know, even Model S to Model 3. I mean, and in the meantime, they put out the Model X. Like, it, it's just like, and that's a company in small scale. I agree it's not, they didn't put out, you know, a ton of Model Xs or even to this day, a ton of Model 3s. It's a lot, but it's not, again, to the level of other car manufacturers. But they haven't even come close. Like, if they were close, I would be like, okay, they're they're trying. But it just seems like either either they're so inept at creating electric vehicles, or they just don't want to. And and that's where I kind of come at it with with Volkswagen. It's just like, you know, what is taking so long? Uh, you know, there's there's two good points there. The first is the EPA standards that the Obama administration had put out for it. So we're going to have more fuel efficient vehicles by this certain deadline. And then this current administration, I'll never say their name, uh, went ahead and basically pulled that all back. So we're, we're just going to go back to the way it was before. So legacy automakers go, whew, great, we dodged the bullet there. When ideally, that's not the way you want to go about this. There are, and the other problem is, when you have these legacy automakers who don't have demands by their consumers, because if I'm a consumer and I have the conscious choice of hybrid, EV, or gas engine, if my purchasing power is always whether or not I walk off the lot with one of those three choices. Now, if you're a legacy automaker and you currently offer me a hybrid or a strictly an ICE vehicle, my inclination is because I want to help the planet get better. I would certainly choose hybrid over the alternative. But if you offer them three options where you go, here's the legacy co component, here's the mid step component with the hybrid and then full on electric the way through. If you made it cost competitive, where the difference from one to the other was almost negligible, the number of people who would go electric if the infrastructure is there because they know that their cost benefit is going to be increased in their favor. They know that the cost of the, owning the vehicle over time is going to be less expensive. The resale value that should be greater than that of a nice car. If you literally gave them those two options, there's no question the ICE car sits on the lot collecting dust and dirt and sand and gravel while the ICE cars, they can't keep them a lot fast enough off the trucks. The only fly in the ointment with that is the dealer network. True. Right. And that's part of it. And, and you know, and certainly some of the, the laws that are passed in different states that make it difficult for, like, we talked about Texas with direct sales and things like that. But I also, I also feel like the automakers themselves, because they've built their companies solely based on one kind of car, that they've never pursued a different avenue, despite the fact, and, and let's, let, let me give one little credit here to General Motors. When they had the EV1 many years ago, had they not killed the program, which to this day is one of the dumbest things any automaker's ever done, they could be in the position that Tesla is today, being a powerhouse for EV ownership. But they chose to kill the program, and then everyone who drove that car was mystified and angry. How? Why would you kill? Why would you take this away from me? Well, and General, the electric and, car. Right. 
you know why this ties back to where we were a half an hour ago with the discussion over hydrogen one of the biggest influences and the reason that thing was killed if you've watched who killed the electric car and the was the whole yeah well the california air resources board right at the right. end you got you know they were all big into battery powered electric cars and then all of a sudden it's like well wait a minute what about this hydrogen angle right this could be good we should look at all the alternative the administration fuel. had that yeah of course, who was behind that? That was big oil all the mm-hmm. way. They, that's exactly how they veered the entire ship off. Follow course. the money, baby. Exactly. So, and, I mean, that's, that's, and that's why even because of that whole decision with the cardboard yeah. to, to explore that option instead. I mean, and California thankfully has led the way for a lot of these things that we're seeing now, where they're the ones saying, "Look, our our pollution, especially in Southern California, is terrible. We have to clean up our air." And for the as large economy as California has, they had this problem first and foremost more than any other state in the country, and they knew they had to do something. So they had stringent, rec- you know, requirements for their vehicles sold in that state and manufacturers like, well, we don't want to do that because it's going to be hard to sell in your state. And go, well, then we don't want your car here. You have to meet our standards. So it's great that there was a governance in California that at the time, you know, when all this was happening said, no, we're going to push that boundary. We want to make sure we have an environment that our kids can grow up in where they're not basically looking up two feet in the air and there's just a layer of smog over their head. We have to fix that problem. And you don't have to look very far over the last few months to see that the air quality in many of these large areas has certainly improved because of the, the, the pandemic situation. Yep. If you take all the cars and you stop driving them, what happens? The air cleans up. So you make them all electric, and we can have these beautiful blue skies all the time. And I'm, and but, I'm with Zach but, on but this But sadly, one. once this is all over, people are going to go back to their old ways, and gas, you know, it's going to come back. Yeah, sorry to cut you so, off, but I'm, I'm with Zach on this one. I think we're actually better served having fewer manufacturers. Let those jobs certainly go from one company to another, but we don't need as many legacy automakers in the world. We just don't. Because there I mean, is a good chance. I mean, if you look at the uh, auto manufacturers right now, like Ford, for example, they just posted a two billion dollar loss, and and they're on on the books for reaching between five and seven billion by the second quarter. It's not looking rosy for those guys. I mean, if you just um, look at history, there's no way for most of these companies to last. I mean, I'll bet you in eight years we'll be looking at uh, Ford, GM, Toyota, Honda gone. And, and, for, into one. and for what it's worth, there should be no bailout. I'm sorry. It, yeah, I know yeah, I, oh, it, I was, it, it was yeah. it was good. It was good to do it the first time, and I understand why it was necessary. So that that saved a lot of jobs in a very bad economy. But now, forget it. Let let them let them go. Because they've they, they, they been beholden to their stakeholders and their board of directors more than they've been beholden to the the world at large. I'm sorry. There's a very good chance that if these other manufacturers really don't get their, you know what together and really get some compelling electric cars on the market that they may just say, you know what, we're just going to write it all off. We're going to let it go. We're going to go back to our own way. And Tesla is the ultimate benefit be- benefactor from that mm-hmm. because people are looking for efficient electric vehicles. Tesla's going to have the whole gamut of cars. They're going to have the best prices going around. They have the infrastructure network. They have the dealer network, which is non-toxic. The buying experience is actually enjoyable comparatively to the other guys uh, you know tesla could benefit and end up being one of the largest car manufacturers in the world not not just from uh, a, a market cap um, perspective because they already are now they've surpassed toyota but i'm talking about legitimately making more cars than toyota does oh they will i mean why let's talk about the other big elephant in the room thousand dollars a share why why do you think they are worth as much as toyota or at least were for a day or two because the market is seeing that they if you look at the numbers they will be out you know outselling all these guys before before long it seems impossible now when you're at this part part of the curve we're just at kind of the the knee of it but yeah. um this is an s curve and we're about to take off 
Yeah. Well, I, I hope it does, because, I mean, if we're really going to replace the majority of ICE vehicles being produced today, we've got to talk of tens of millions of cars being built, you know, not hundreds of thousands. So that's that's got to climb really, really steep if Tesla is going to take a big part of that. And I mean, we're still talking, you know, it's still a couple of years to build each factory, right? So well, you still got right. Toyota saying, well, we're not doing battery electric cars. I mean, we're still going right. to stick with the hybrids. I'm like, how I mean, stupid are you? I also, I also okay. wonder if this pandemic has taught us anything about how how valuable work from home jobs are. So are more people going to be able to not have to drive because ideal, or at least not drive great distances for work because they can work from home more often? I mean, I know a lot of companies who the majority of their employees worked in an office, but they had the resources to make them work from home. And now they're using it and they're finding we're just as efficient, if not more productive. Um, you know, we don't have major overhead for, for real estate space. We can actually save money because then we can divert that towards our tech, tech resources to give people devices and computers and that sort of thing. So it, it would not surprise me if we also end up having fewer vehicles necessary on the road, which is why these, you know, uh, robo taxi programs and things like that are not some fictional thing that could happen. They really can happen because most people may go big city, small city in between. You may not need a vehicle until you actually have to use one. So why pay $60,000 for something to sit in a parking lot outside your house when you just go, well, I just need one and now I get it. There's a reason why Uber and Lyft took off when they did because it's cheaper just to basically rent a car for 10 minutes to get from A to B versus having to have your own car. There's no overhead. Well, I mean, this goes to that point of technology where it's hard to picture something until it happens. Even though we're in this bubble of Tesla right now, I still hear the doubt that, that robo-taxis are going to work or that robo-cars are going to work. I, I got to just poll you guys. Like, how many of you guys think that uh, cars will be able to drive themselves without a driver in the next few years? Can I raise my hand? Yeah. Okay, so... That's, we're, that's, halfway up there. I, I we're, we're getting there regional because i think in anywhere where you don't have severe weather it's going to happen pretty fast i think no, i'm just asking how many think it'll happen in the next few years and i'm hearing you saying like we'll get there whatever that's because you haven't been able to imagine it now you may be right i'm not saying i have the the lockdown on whether that's going to happen or not but yeah. uh without being able to imagine it we can't imagine what life will be like with that solution and it's going to change if if we're right if autonomy is going to happen it will change everything right well, and you guys did a very good video, uh, what was that, a year or two ago, where you talked yeah, about we did a that series, little series. Yeah, series. they were a wonderful series, by the way. Yeah, Thank, thank you. you. Yeah, and I mean, but uh, to get back to imagination as well, uh, every single Tesla car on the road right now, and pr practically every electric car on the road right now, is helping to, to change people's minds about EVs, because it isn't so much that we need to, you know, necessarily increase the factories we do but we need to change people's minds as well and tesla has been kind of balancing this pretty well of convincing more people to buy evs i mean i think if you go back five years and you had said like you know are there this many people who would buy an ev who then ended up turning out to buy a, like say a model three um I, I think that it would have been rather surprising and but basically every moment that these cars exist and people can see them and start to ask questions and get rides in them, it's going to start to change the perspective. And at some point, there will be a turning point. There will be a critical mass, and it's going to completely alter the way that everything is thought of and works. And this is yeah. why when you mentioned earlier in the show why children uh, totally get it, is yeah. because children know how to use that little brain, that muscle in their head, <laughs> which is imagination. Whereas when you get to a certain age, that usually dies. Right. Yeah, we're getting very close. I mean, uh, when this million-mile battery thing happens and, and the, the cost that's been floating around at $80 per kilowatt hour, 
I mean, at that point, once you reach the cost parity, and this is the thing that's been talking about for many years now, once the cost parity arrives that you're at the same level, if not lower than an ICE car, it's game over. And if the other manufacturers are not making those investments to match what Tesla's doing, it's game over for them too. And once Uh, we start actually counting the full cost of fossil fuels, I mean, again, we're subsidizing them and we're not counting their health costs. But if we were to, I mean, after this pandemic, maybe hopefully we'll start to count the actual true cost of burning gasoline. And when you enter that into the equation, we've already won that that economic battle. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, that's all it would take. The minute you factor that in, it's done. It's over. Right. Yeah. That's, and that's we, we, we just need the right yeah. mouthpieces to to send out that message. Right. Because right now the news media is not doing anybody any favors. Right. And we've been seeing that people will spend more money for an EV. I mean, that's just true. based on Tesla the trade. stretch is a real thing, right? Yeah, because, I mean, people will want to get more. And honestly, you're getting more. You know, you're getting uh, entertainment in your car. You're getting all sorts of different uh, new activities that you're kind of unlocking. Even though you could do those things in, in a gas car, it's just such a different mindset and such a different feel. Um, just being able to plug your car in at home, like forget the, the energy savings for a minute. Like people still want them just for their brand and for all of the other features that kind of go into it, even just the safety aspect of it. I mean, that's, oh, yeah. why, that's why we're doing the electric performance uh, race car. We're, we're racing a Model 3 up Pikes Peak uh, in August because yeah, we want that. to show people that, you know, you've grown up with ice cars, you've grown up with gas guzzlers, and you think that's the only way to win a race. But actually, EVs are amazing. And by taking in a Model 3 performance, basically what you would drive right off the lot at a you know Tesla showroom, that is basically the car we're driving up uh, Pikes Peak. And hopefully we're going to walk away with the record. Right. Nice. Oh, looking forward to it. So yeah. keep us posted on that. Thanks. Well, the show has uh, gone on for basically an hour and a half now. So uh, uh, you're, I want to say you're Rogan territory now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, it happens. Weed, on, av- on, <laughs> on average, our podcast lasts about uh, an hour and 20 minutes. But, uh, you know, obviously we're very enthusiastic about this kind of stuff. We could talk about it all night. But unfortunately, the uh, viewers and the listeners don't have that kind of attention span these days. But that's okay. Listen, guys, I want to say thank you for joining us. Uh, we need to do this again. These conversations are truly wonderful. Uh, It's nice to hear different perspectives. We're trying to branch out a little bit more this year and get, uh, uh, you know, different guests on the show. Like last week, you had Eli Burton, great guy, um, has some great views on things and stuff. So, um, yeah, so I want to say thank you for joining in. Um, As always, we always give everybody the opportunity to plug whatever the heck you want. Tell uh, viewers, listeners where they can find you. I mean, obviously, if you're in the Tesla community, you probably already know about Zach and Jesse, but uh, go ahead, guys, say whatever you'd like. Um, well, yeah, we've got uh, Tesla Time News every Monday and in-depth every Friday, but also head over to Electric Performance Channel, which are our new race car channel, so you can check out oh, our nice. driver, Blake Fuller. And every week he tells you about what he's doing to the race car to get it ready for Pikes Peak, which is August 30th. Um, and hopefully we're going to win in our class with the Model 3 going up Pikes Peak. So we've got our fingers crossed for that. Yeah, And well, thank you so um, much for too. having us on, Trevor. I know, this is a lot of fun. Thank you. Fun. Such a pleasure. A- anytime, guys. Uh, yeah. So we'll we'll have to do it again. We'll try not to be too too strangerish. I know we got our own things going on and stuff. So definitely. All right, and then uh, we have Eric and Ian. So where can guys uh, chat with you on the internet? Sorry for my tech issues. Technology's been so fun. Uh, you guys can find <laughs> me on Twitter at the handle ECFix. That's E C F I X. Like Zach, I've sort of taken the hiatus from Twitter for a bit uh, to kind of uh, muffle the noise a bit. But you can find me on there very often. All right, Ian. How about you? 
All right. Well, on Twitter, it's at Ian Pavelko. The uh, handle is Matt Hungarian. And on Tesla Owners Online, you can find me at the same handle, Matt Hungarian. If you have any technical questions, particularly wheels and tires, I know a little bit about that. I can always help out. And um, normally I talk about my t-shirt program. I'm going to use today's show to plug a little something that maybe not all of you have heard. Um, the company I work for, Fasco, maker of Fast Wheels and the Fast EV line that Trevor and I have been plugging along there. Uh, we're coming out with uh, a couple of new models, specifically for Model Y. So if you've got a Model Y in your possession or on order for this fall, keep an eye out because we're going to have our replica R241 in a dedicated 19, nine and a half inch uh, version, specifically load rated for the Model Y. And same thing with the EV01, our EV oh. aerowheel. We have a dedicated 19, hey. nine and a half this fall specifically built for model y so keep your eyes open for that excellent looking forward cool. to that we're going to get we're supposed to be getting model y's hopefully by the end of this week here in toronto yeah. delivery started in vancouver last weekend so we're about a week behind so we're looking forward to that so as soon as i get my hand on one of those i'm gonna do in a video anyways well you guys can follow me on twitter the handle is tesla owners online don't forget to check out the forum teslaownersonline.com best place to be discussing tesla stuff i want to say thanks to our sponsors evan x Dulaban insurance and the great guys at uh fine lab ceramic coatings keeps my car nice and clean anyways we'll uh, talk to you guys next time and uh, thanks for joining us and we'll see you next time see you guys thanks guys. All right, everybody